0: Pork today on C103. I'm Peter Dowd of the Irish joining us on this Wednesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Peter.
1: Good afternoon, Trish. How are you? I'm
0: very well and you're very welcome. Good, clear line, thank God. Okay, straight in with some uh, questions and photographs that people got to us in time. So we were able to get them to Peter in time, including this one from Mary in Dunmanway, who sent us on a photograph, she says, of two tubs of distressed geraniums, very little flowers and lots of holes in the leaves. They are looking very distressed. Advice, please.
1: No, I just had a, literally a very very quick look look at them there just before we came on there. Um, they 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 look to me. Now, I, bear in mind, I didn't have a chance to look at them for for longer than two point five seconds. But they look to me to be um, probably overcrowded in the pot and pot bones. So they maybe they should come out of the the, the pots or the tubs that they're in and go into fresh soil with fresh compost. Deadhead them. Cut off all the flowers. They may also be suffering from overwatering now. If they were outside this year in a pot that's holding water, obviously that's that's very likely because we've had so much rain. Um, so I would deadhead them. I would remove any of the leaves now with a, even with the scissors that the, that that are showing holes or just not looking great. Remove them um, into a pot with fresh compost. Uh, if that's not feasible, just give them a feed. Give them a feed with a good quality tomato food to drive them on. Um, I wouldn't be too worried about treating them with any kind of a, a copper sulfate or anything like that for, for any fungal infection. I really think the best thing to do is remove any of the infection, which are the dead flowers, the dead leaves. Give them a feed. And as I say, if possible, into a new pot. Uh, and I think they should come on. And if if hopefully we get this lovely September, uh, <laughs> you'll still have a bit of bloom to look forward to. Yeah,
0: and everybody, uh, Yeah, the, the long range weather forecast is for so for at least two weeks of it, I think. <laughs> the,
1: the, the, long, the long range where the forecast seems to be always for <laughs> I know, <good> <laughs> I know. But we're ever hopeful.
0: We're ever hopeful. We and are then, ever an, optimistic. And the email came in from Anne in Middleton, says, what's gone wrong with my apple trees? The blossom comes out beautifully. The apples form, begin to ripen. Then this happens. And she sent on pictures. of very sad looking uh, apples. They seem to be fine sized apples, but they're all bruised looking and spots, black <coughs> spots on them.
1: Yeah, no, it's, uh, I just had a look at one of them there before, again, before we came on there, I'll just try and have a look at the second one as we're talking. Yeah, it's apple scab. That's what it is. So again, it's a fungal infection. And again, with all the excessive moisture that we've had this year during the summer, that's part of what's causing it. If you like, that's creating the conditions for, for which that the scab loves. So, uh, it's blooming well and it's setting the fruit. And at that point, that's probably the time that I would tr- treat the tree, the root zone uh, and the tree with a solution of copper sulfate and water, which is your old-fashioned blue stone that we use for potato blight. Um, it, it's it's a very good preventative for a lot of these fungal infections. Unfortunately, being in the climate that we, we live in, though I, I don't mind the climate we live in when we look around the world at the moment, yeah. um, the, the, it is conducive to the development of fungal infections, which this is. So your, your your ways around it to help prevent it, it's all cultural methods, cultural control, which is a, a kind of posh way, if you like, of saying good pruning and what I dare I say, common sense. In other words, if you have good air circulation through the plant... then it's less likely to develop these fungal infections. If you can imagine that apple tree, I haven't seen the tree, just the fruits, but if it's a very congested tree with lots and lots of branches crossing each other and lots of leaves and branches in the middle of it, well, then there's there's very poor air circulation. Uh, So inside that tree, in the foliage and on the stems and around it, the buds and the fruiting spurs will get very damp and warm. And as I say, these are conditions which are ideal for the development of fungal problems like scab, black spot all these things so good pruning the month of november december is probably the best time to prune your apple trees bearing in mind you're looking for outward facing branches you want a good open center to the tree good air circulation always remember that um and then come next spring just around time of blossom treated with with copper sulfate and water and uh hope hope for the best really and hope for a good summer but i think you should be okay if you do that when you're pruning it to uh i would as well as the crossing branches and things of like that i would prune it back in width and in height and then hopefully by removing a lot of the tips you will hopefully be removing a lot of the the fungal spores that will still be in the tree
0: OK, and I I think John Paul says you got this email as well to do with uh, Mike in Beautiful Bantry who sent a picture of his hanging basket. He said, my hanging basket is past its best. Can I keep anything from the hanging basket? And he sent out a picture. I think the hanging basket still looks well, I have to say, but anyway, that's I, just...
1: I certainly, but that was my first reaction when yeah. I saw it this morning, Trish. I must say that if it, it may be past its best, but it's still plenty, plenty of, of colour in it. Yeah. Um, and, and yes, everything, in fact, in that hanging basket could be saved because uh, everything in it is a perennial. I'm going from memory now because it was eight o'clock this morning when I saw this one. But I know there was an ivy in it. You see there the was ivy, golden, yeah. golden Lismachia in it. And I'm fairly right in saying there's Biden's Aurea, which is a yellow flowering one. Um, but all of them are actually perennial. The, the Lismachia uh, it's it's kind of if you planted it out it would nearly become a bit vigorous, nearly invasive as a ground cover. But you could certainly keep each of them individually in pots inside during the winter in a greenhouse or a tunnel. They'd also survive outside with the possibility, possible exception of the Bidens, the yellow flowering one that he has. That wouldn't be frost hardy, but the other two would be, uh, and you could use them either in the garden or in pots again and baskets again next year.
0: Okay, uh, good luck with that. But yeah, certainly I'd, I'd hang in there for another while with it. I wouldn't be dumping it yet. Uh, Hi, could you ask Peter, how far back can you cut a Griselinia hedge? Also, second question, is it worth putting lawn gold uh, on the lawn at this time of the year?
1: well long ago will do a winter one I think it's called Winter Protect which would be worth putting on kind of from September onwards yeah it's, it's higher in potassium I think from memory which is what you need for good root development during the winter months you don't really want to be encouraging huge growth over the ground for, from now on but you do want to, to generate a good root system so yes but use the winter one is what I would say uh, and the first part of that question was oh the grislinia how far yeah. cut it back um, you, you can really cut back grislinia very hard however at this time of the year, we're coming into September, so it's okay to cut the hedges again. So at, in the September time of the year, I'm always slow enough to cut anything back too hard because you must remember the growth is slowing and whether we like it or not, we're coming into the the winter months, the colder months, even though it seems like we're being cheated this year because we never got the summer months. But anyway, um, as we're coming into the the, the winter months, you, by cutting it back, you're encouraging a fresh flush of new growth. You now, that new growth is vulnerable to, to frost damage and environmental damage. So I would really, in September, October, I would really only trim them. And if you want to cut them back hard, as I say, you can cut grass back very hard. Um, but I would probably wait till late February, early March, the other end of the year, when when the growth is starting again and it's getting stronger.
0: OK, John wants to know, have you heard of something called minarets? They're used for small garden spaces?
1: Uh, haven't. I wonder is it a type of rootstock?
0: It's, uh, he's looking for eating apples and cooking apples and they're minarets. They're used for small garden spaces. He's wondering
1: where you yes, can buy them. The, the, the minarets and coronets, which are they're kind of um, brand names for, for a dwarf rootstock. So without, without boring your listeners too much, Trish, <laughs> when you're when you're growing an apple tree, it's grafted, right? So what that means is you get the variety that you want, your Pink Lady or your Golden Delicious or whatever, whatever you're having yourself, as the fella says, and you, you they won't come true to type from seed. So in other words, you plant the seeds from one of those apples, it'll probably develop into a crab apple or something similar, which is lovely, but you won't have the one you want. So, what they do is in, in the nurseries they grow uh crab apples and, and ones that will come easily from seed and they use these then as your rootstock so they'll graft the edible and the cooking varieties onto this rootstock okay mm-hmm. now some rootstocks of the, the so the the grafted plant will then have the attributes of the rootstock in other words what i mean by that is if the rootstock is a vigorous tree that's going to get to 10 or 20 feet high well, then the grafted variety will get that high because it's using that root system. So you have different root stocks to give you different heights. So some are very dwarfing where you'll only have four five or six feet all the way up to 20 feet and higher. So after that big big preamble, the minarets <laughs> and coronets are realistically just, just kind of brand names, if you like, for very dwarf rootstocks. So anything that is grown as a minaret or coronet will stay below six feet. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I know there's a nursery in Wexford, to the best of my knowledge, that grow them. And they supply, I think they supply most of the garden centres around Ireland. They should certainly be easy enough to come by.
0: Yeah, if you pop into your local garden uh, centre, uh, they should be able to sort you out. Mary from Gaggan wants to know, when is the best time to move a red hot poker? Want to move it to a sunnier part of the garden?
1: well it will need a sunny part of the garden certainly native to South Africa and, and really the more sun they get the better they're, they're difficult enough to move in not not from any kind of horticultural problems or anything. just physical donkey work they're, they're quite a big plant to move but the best time to do it uh, is during the winter months so sometime let's say between I would say between November and February and probably a bit later, maybe maybe January, February, even the better than November, December, just as it's coming closer to the spring. But certainly not at the moment. Wait till the winter months.
0: OK, and with the first of September and the time that people are allowed to cut the hedges, somebody says, I'm about to cut my hedge. Uh, should I feed them after cutting them?
1: Yeah, but again, like I was saying earlier, you don't want to encourage too much vulnerable, fragile new growth. Um, so you could give it a feed but I, it would be a light feed i'd be more concerned about feeding it certainly feed it a, a small bit if you think it's struggling and if it's, if it's looking a bit hungry but if it's apart from that if it's okay i would even a very light feed or hold off on feeding completely until um till till the spring months
0: Okay, and someone is wondering, have you noticed is there evidence of a change in the seasons? Because this listener says I've noticed a Berberis Darwinia flowering today. Also my hyacinth in a tub is starting to flower. Is there a change in the seasons already?
1: There is very much a definite change in the seasons. However, I'm not sure what we're talking about there. And I actually I was up in the beautiful Ansgrove Gardens in Castletown Roach last week and I noticed a few um Rhododendrons already showing flower, and they're spring flowering, obviously. But what what tends to happen is, and it's not uncommon, and particularly when we've had a bad summer, these these plants like your berber Starwinii and your your rhododendrons and things like this, these are these as we've discussed before, they they put on their flower buds now for opening next spring. But they they could think because we've had such a period of bad weather that they're in the spring, if you know what I mean. So that does happen from time to time. Now, the winter will put them to sleep again. But more importantly than that, there is an ecological imbalance, which means that in the spring, plants are flowering quite a bit earlier than what they did in times gone by, which may sound like nothing to us. But actually, in the whole tapestry, it's quite serious because, you know, bees and other insects and and birds have developed a huge, obviously, relations with the plants. and everything comes out at the right time for the for the bees to come out at the right time to pollinate the plants and to feed the plants or to feed the bees. Uh, and when this is being disrupted, which it is now, it, it, it there is an imbalance and it is another one of these unfortunate effects of, of climate change. And um, it, it, it's, it's quite a serious issue, actually, particularly if you think about it in terms of agriculture. If you were growing apples, let's say an orchard for, for, your, for your survival, and if they flowered too early well first they're at risk of of a frost more at risk of frost but secondly they might be finished flowering before the bees are out to pollinate it and then suddenly you've got no apples so from that in the spring the change in the seasons becoming earlier is an issue Uh, what's happening at the moment is probably more just a bit a bit of interest more than more than anything serious, if you know what I mean. But there is definitely definitely a change in seasons, yeah.
0: Okay and we'll finish off with some questions about roses first. somebody wants to know when is the best time to set roses and then somebody else has sent me in a WhatsApp of um, I'm not very green-fingered and my father bought me these. I think they're roses. Uh, how will I save them? And I promise I'll mind them going forward and they're two containers with two roses uh, in them. Looking a little bit sad at the moment. I take it that they weren't fed or anything done with them. So advice on for the person who wants to plant roses and then looking after roses?
1: But, but do you know what? It's, it's one of the same question nearly. So when you're planting them, you can really plant them any time of the year because everything nowadays is grown in pots as opposed to bare root. And, and you can plant potted plants 52 weeks of the year provided the ground isn't physically waterlogged or physically frozen so apart from that plant them anytime but i would say autumn is still probably the best time to plant anything so anytime over the next three or four months Uh, and the same applies to the person who who got them from her father and it's a lovely way to 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 think of them then when you when you look at the roses so plant them i would say plant them into the ground they will do better in the ground than pots because they're quite hungry feeders if you have to grow keep them in pots for whatever reason uh, make sure it's a big enough pot plenty of feeding, good rich soil. But the important thing is roses like the apple trees that we were talking about earlier, most roses, not all of them, uh, but most of them are grafted. So it's quite important that you'll see that graft union Even in the untrained eye, you'll see it because it's just above the root system. It's quite a swelling, it's quite a swollen point just above the root system. And it's quite important that that graft union is above the soil level, Trish. I won't bore you too much with why, but it's just important that that's above the soil level. So don't bury the roses too deep. Uh, and keep them well fed, cut them back any time between kind of October and February um, and, and give them a good sunny position. And and really, they have a bad name for, for, for being high maintenance, but really give them what they want and they're not. And they give loads and loads of colour and joy in the garden.
0: And if you get a nice scented one, there's nothing like it. OK, listen, we leave it there. Have a good weekend. We'll chat next Wednesday.
1: Look forward to it. Thanks, Thanks for a
0: it. million. That is uh, Peter Dowdle, the Irish Gardener dot com. Just a quick couple of texts uh, in.